Uh, also, before I get started, I want to give a shout out to everybody who has a birthday within two weeks of Christmas and have ever received. Oh, this is a Christmas and a birthday present. Amen. And shout out to all of you guys. Um, just letting you know, Jesus was the first one to get both Christmas and birthday presents at the same time. So just letting you know. But when the wise men arrived, they said, hey, this is for Christmas and birthday, Jesus. So anyway. All right. So we are finishing up our Revelation series, and this is uh, Revelation chapter 21, 22. We've gone through the book of Revelation. This is your first time here. Um, but uh, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation tells one story, you guys. That's what we have to understand. It tells one story. It's the good news, bad news, and good news. The good news is God created the world, doesn't make junk. Bad news is we blew it. We sin. We, we, we do stuff that's deserving of hell. The, the, uh, the good news, though, is that Jesus redeems us and restores us to what we were originally created to be. What Revelation shows is we're in the midst of a five-act play. Act one, God creates a world. Act two, Adam and Eve uh, uh, destroy and, and sin enters. Act three, Jesus, Jesus arrives and uh, dies on the cross, is resurrected. Act five, Jesus returns. Right now, we're in Act chapter four. We're in Act four, which is the, the uh, chapter of the church. That's where we are right now. And so the, the three things that, that Revelation shows us is this. Number one is this. The Christian faith is a story of redemption. Don't ever forget anything. If you don't hear anything else this entire year, the Christian faith is a story of redemption. Revelation 22, verse 3 through 4. No longer will be there any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. See, I always thought that the Christian faith was about being good. You accept Christ. Uh, you, uh, you love people a little bit more. You become more honest. You, you be more giving, more forgiving. And, and, and all that happens. Yeah, that's true, but that's not what the Christian faith is about. Jesus did not leave heaven and be born as a baby and die horrifically on a cross and was resurrected so that you'd be nicer to people. That's not what he was here for. He did that to destroy the evil that's corrupted this once beautiful, amazing world. I, I, how many Star Wars fans we got out there? Got Star Wars fans? Okay. I was a Star Wars fan before Disney destroyed it. Okay. So I even liked episodes one, two, and three. I know the hardcore Star Wars fans don't like that. But um, I have an episode, so I want you to forget episodes seven, eight, and nine and think about episodes one through six. I heard a, 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 um, an interview with George Lucas. Those of y'all that know who George Lucas is, he's the guy that invented Star Wars. He said the story of Star Wars is the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was the actual focus. It was not about Han Solo. It was not about Luke. It was not about uh, Princess Leia. It was about the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. That's the entire Star Wars thing. Anakin was this boy. He was destined for greatness. Then he became a Sith Lord, and, and he, he was the most awful person other than Emperor that ever lived. And then he was redeemed. The very last scene in Return of the Jedi, it shows Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Anakin. But he doesn't look like Darth Vader. He, he's dressed as a Jedi. In other words, the, the redemption of Anakin Skywalker, it redeemed him, it restored him to what he was before the fall, before he committed to evil, okay? That's what redemption is. My favorite uh, Christmas story a favorite Christmas movie is A Christmas Carol. And that is the story of the redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge was this boy and he became this mean, awful, uh, grinchy uh, uh, miser that hated Christmas and was evil and cruel. And at the end, it shows his redemption. That's what the Christmas story is. It's the, the Star Wars story is the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. Christmas Carol is redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge. And the story of Revelation is the redemption of God's creation. We're restoring it back to what it meant, was originally designed to be. We have to understand that that is the story of God, of redemption. That's what the Christian faith is about. If you think it's anything else, you're wrong. It is about redemption. Revelation 22, 3 through 4, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. The second thing we learn about this, this part of Revelation is this, is that we must choose God's way for ourselves. We cannot force redemption on anyone. All right? 
uh, Revelation 22, 10 through 11, the angel told me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy or the, of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who continues to uh, do, does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. And as I studied this, I was like, what, what is going on here? Why does God's word say, let the one who's doing wrong continue to do wrong? Why, why does it say well, that the vile person continue to be vile? Isn't that kind of anti what the Bible talks about? Well, in other words, do not force the one who's doing wrong to do right. You have to let them choose their own paths, what the angel is saying. Give them the freedom to choose right and wrong. In this act chapter four, in this act four of human history, no one's forcing you to do anything. This is really interesting. But the angel is saying, give them the freedom to choose God or run away from him. The sad, I guess the happy thing, is that we cannot force redemption on anyone. As a pastor, I can't force anyone in this church to do anything they don't want to do, nor should I try, what the Bible says. Parents, you can't force your children to love God. You can't force your friends to love God. You can't. God's plan is this. You choose God freely, not under coercion or threat or fear or anything. All throughout this Revelation series, we've been, I know many of you are sitting there hearing about the plagues and the death and the carnage, and you're thinking of someone you know, possibly someone you love, who is not a Christian, does not know the Lord. And if nothing in their life changes, they're going to experience everything Revelation said, plus an eternity in hell. And I know that you were thinking about that because I was too. And the natural gut reaction of well-meaning people, especially parents with their kids, is to grab them and force them and just say, you will love God because I, I don't want any, this stuff to happen to you. You, you have to and, and force and cajole. Basically, the Bible is saying, stop, please. You cannot change so much as one thought in the person's mind without their consent. You cannot impose. Christians, we can only propose. We can only point people to the truth. We can say, this is how God says it ends but I can't make you do anything. I can't, I can't make you love God. I cannot force you to be redeemed. I can't, that has to be your choice. And that's what the angel is saying here. Does God want everyone to be saved? Yeah. Is everyone gonna be saved? No. Unfortunately, people have to choose to be redeemed along with creation. Can't be forced. And I think that's what the angel is saying here. Let the person who continues to do wrong, do wrong. Let them continue. Let the per vile person continue to be vile. You can't change them. But let the person who does right continue to do right. Let the person who is holy continue to be holy. Until Jesus returns, that's the way it's gonna be. But the third biggest insight that I wanna leave you guys with this is this, is that heaven will be about God, not us. Okay, Revelation 20, 22 through 23, 21, 23 through 23. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. Humans are weird, you all, when it comes to heaven. And as a pastor, I can tell you this, the weirdest place, people get weirdest about heaven is funerals. Okay, I cannot tell you how many funerals where grieving family members will say, I think right now Mama's up in heaven cooking up her biscuits and gravy and setting out the table for everyone. I've heard that. I've heard, right now I think Papa's up in heaven with his shotgun out in a field downwind from a 20-point buck. I've heard that. And that's fine, you know. Grieving people need to do that, need to remember loved ones fondly, and that's part of it. I, I get it. But still, most people, when describing heaven, describe how it is about them. They describe it as a place with no more pain or, or great weather or eternal life, no suffering, no tears, the presence of joy, uh, happiness, friendship. People rarely, rarely talk about heaven being all about God, how, how things will be in heaven, how God wants them to be, how God wants to be, not how we want it to be. And then maybe that's why so many people aren't fired up about heaven, honestly, because if heaven is a place where things as God wants them to be, and you don't like the way God wants them to be, you're kind of stuck. For example, and I give this as an example, if heaven's a place where thing, things are as God intends them to be, and God's favorite song is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, and plays it 24-7, that to me is the definition of hell, okay? 
But I don't have to worry about that uh, because I have it on good authority that God doesn't like that song either. In fact, it is straight from the pit of hell itself. It's Satan's favorite song. I can tell you that. See, a few weeks ago when we studied the trumpet judgments and the, the demon-like locusts coming out of the abyss and tormenting people, you guys remember that? It said they had stingers like a scorpion. Well, it wasn't an actual stinger. It was far worse. They actually had Bluetooth speakers that played that song as they flew around. And see, we know this because it caused people to gnash their teeth and want to die. Well, that's what happens when I hear that song. I gnash my teeth and want to die. So that's exactly what's going on, okay? But, but, here's the, but think about it, y'all. Think about it. People who don't love God, why would they desire heaven? People who have a problem with God's ways, who don't like God's ways, don't love his commands, don't love his ways, why would they like heaven? Heaven's a place where things God desires them to be. And if you don't like that, and you don't like God's ways, why would you want to go to a place for eternity where that's the way things are? See, people who think that heaven is a place where they can eat all the food they want and not get fat and that kind of thing, or, or they will be sorely disappointed when they get to heaven and find out it's not all about them. God's the main character. Heaven will be the place where we spend an eternity enjoying God's greatness on display for the world to see. This passage says there isn't a temple because God and Jesus are the temple. They won't need a sun or moon because the light will come from God. God's glory will be so overwhelming that it won't be necessary. Imagine that. Heaven will be centered on Jesus, and that's awesome because a me-centered place would get boring really fast. And I give you this example. It'd be like going to the Grand Canyon, you guys. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? How many nature people, I mean, what's the most beautiful place you've seen? The Grand Teton Mountains, maybe, Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, uh, those wonders of creation. Anybody been to places like that? Okay, imagine going to the Grand Canyon, and as you walk up to the edge to survey it all, you hold up a mirror and you look at yourself. That's what going to heaven and thinking it's all about you would be like. See, going to the wonders of creation and looking at yourself, that's not what we're there for. We're not there to look at ourselves. We were built and designed, you all, by God to enjoy being awed by, by, and to enjoy things greater than us. That's why we don't hold a mirror in front of our, our, our faces when we look at the Grand Canyon because we love being awed. That's why it'd be like going to Niagara Falls and instead of hearing the thundering of the water, just being overwhelmed by that, like putting in your earphones and listening to all I want for Christmas is you. That's what it would be like thinking of a me-centered heaven. Listen, God has placed that in us, this desire to be awed, this desire to be looked at things greater than ourselves and enjoy them and just be impressed, just drink it all in. That is what God, that's how God made us. And guys, heaven will be that 24-7. See, if you think that the Grand Canyon or Niagara Falls or Grand Teton Mountains or beautiful rivers, or if you think that is awesome, you should see the one who created them. And that's what heaven's gonna be like, you all. It's not gonna be about us. It's not gonna be about, hey, I can have all my friendship. No, we're just gonna stand in awe of the awesomeness of God 24-7. The Bible says here, there will not need to be any light because the greatness and the glory of God will be there 24-7. Can't wait, y'all. Heaven's gonna be all about God. It's not gonna be about us. And we see what we see here on earth is just a smidgen of what we will see and savor in heaven forever. The self-centered person who'd rather look in the mirror than at the Grand Canyon will be disappointed in heaven, you all. That's what the Bible tells us. Because God will be the main attraction. And those who cannot stand having God as the center of attraction will find heaven to be quite literally hell. This Revelation series has shown me the greatness of God, you all, and the folly of thinking it's all about me. That's why one of my favorite verses in Scripture is John 3.30, where John the Baptist, talking about Jesus, said, I have to become less, and he must become greater. He must become greater, I must become less. I think that sums up the Christian life. So if I could leave 2021 with one thing, people of Catalyst Christian Church, Let's spend the rest of our lives saying he must become greater. I must become less. It's all about God. And I cannot wait to pass through those pearly gates and see and savor the one who created the things I enjoy here on earth.
Imagine that, you all. That is the purpose of the book of Revelation. That is the Christian faith. It's a redemption of that which is fallen. Less of me, more of Jesus. He must become greater. I must become less every day of my life. Merry Christmas, you all. And let's make 2022 the best year in our lives, in our church. Let's win the lost. Let's disciple the committed. And let's bring the glory of Jesus down to Nicholsville, Central Kentucky, America, and the rest of the world until our Creator, our Redeemer, returns. God bless you. Adios. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.
simply to download the way this works.